So first off, we want to start this podcast by saying how incredibly, incredibly, incredibly grateful we are from the bottom of our hearts. Makes us a little emotional. Uh, (laughs) Makes me emotional. Um, The amount of support that we've received this year after starting this podcast, we never thought that it would be so well received by so many of our friends and family uh, and let alone people we've literally never met. Neighbors we had really never talked to before and now we first time they talk to you friends with them (laughs) um people in the neighborhood people outside of the neighborhood people around the world it's been it's been honor to be able to entertain you (laughs) um through our little stories and interviews uh but we just want to say you know thank you so much to everyone who listened like shared uh rated Subscribed. subscribed across all platforms Uh, We could not be more honored to have your attention for these little times, uh, you know, once a week. And the feedback, like the, the, like literally weekly feedback we get from people like the Matzegites and the Marshalls, Elizabeth. Yeah. So, I mean, that's to me that the feedback is actually what's helped guide us in what um, I think gets, you know, traction, what people are interested in listening to. Yeah, and it also just encourages us to keep going. Yeah, because it's true. really hard to stick to things like this. I mean, it takes a lot of time. It's a lot of. It, I mean, we we only work on the weekends on this, unless it's an interview. We're trying to accommodate someone's schedule, but we don't take up work. You know, work week time. This is definitely a, a passion project. Uh, to the point where, like the other day, we interviewed someone and they asked if this was our full time job. Yeah. And it's definitely not, <laughs> although sometimes it may feel that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's encouraged us to keep going because it's, it's definitely been a labor of love, but we are overwhelmed by, with gratitude. Thank you. And, and keep doing that. Keep, yeah. keep listening and keep sharing and keep liking. Yeah. So as we go into this new year, yeah. do something that makes you a little uncomfortable and anxious and that's a good point, you know, take it from us. People might actually care and might actually impact someone's life. I mean, every year we have a goal like this to do something um, that's outside of our comfort zone. And so this one was a big one for us. Uh, finally, just pulling the trigger mid-year and 29 weeks later. Yeah. So, Thank you. So write, write down that crazy goal that just doesn't really seem <laughs> attainable or maybe it's overwhelming and just plan it out and just get it done because right. it'll, it'll, uh, it'll change your year at least. Exactly. So, Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to the Culture Edit. Unique perspectives into the personal and professional lives of individuals at the helm of successful business, athletics, art, and design. Welcome to the Culture Edit, episode 29. Still going strong. Didn't miss a beat. One of our favorite podcasts, they didn't even they didn't even post one on Christmas. No, very disappointing. Yeah. See so. who the hard workers are. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I did get- It's fe- transition week, by the way. Transition week. I've never heard that it called that before. I made it up. Okay. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> exactly. That's why, I, that's why I call it that. Yeah. It's like, I know everyone loves vacation- and maybe it's because we're not on vacation that I'm super annoyed by it. Yeah. But I'm more annoyed because I'm at home, but no one's working, so I like I can't get the things done that I do, that I want to get done. We're working. We're at the office. We're not home. Well, no, I know, but like I'm saying, like 
other people are at home. Oh, yeah, yeah. It just feels like it's been a really long time. Well, next week will be, I mean, sorry, next year will be Tuesday. Tuesday, but, Tuesday. But you know what it is? It's the fact that the office space, I know we, or actually we didn't talk about it. I cut it out of the last episode, but we will have updates on the office space saga, <laughs> but it has been a saga, but it's because the property management company is not working all week. So then the owner oh. can't get a hold of the property management company and therefore we can't get an answer. Like it's not the owner's fault, but it's the property management company. This is a whole episode in itself. <laughs> Let, let's save this because it's truly incredible. But I, you're you're right. Yeah. So that's been that's been like top of my mind. Um. So we wanted to dive into well a, a quick Christmas recap. We ended up getting the drone, not a snake. Lame. For those of who who listened to uh, what we were going to get our nephew, we looked really really carefully at the snake. We were at the store. It, it was, was a, a python, beautiful yellow python, uh, and it was really active. Uh. But when we saw how long it lived, <laughs> 30 years, it lives 30 years. And you came to the conclusion that it wasn't cool for us to saddle my sister, Betsy, with a snake because Jade would, Jude would go to college in 10 years and then she'd have another 20 She'd have years. A, t- a 20 foot python. Yeah. For <laughs> well, and I said, why wouldn't he just take the snake to college? And you said, that'd be weird. And then he'd be the weird guy with a snake in college. Yeah. Like, first of all, if you're in a dorm room. You can't have animals, so that would be an issue. And then, yeah, like a weird college snake guy. Although I will say he has a gecko. Yeah. I, I am obsessed with the gecko. Yeah, he already has a lot of animals. I, I, I think I held the gecko more than it's been held in, in, in a long time. You did. What was the gecko's name? Spots. Spots, that's right. So cute. Like a giant gecko, like like eight inches long. It's yeah, like it was a big, big yeah. animal, but yeah. it was really nice. Really, really nice. She yeah. was so cute. But yeah, and we looked at other animals. Uh, yeah, I guess we just decided. No, chinchillas. To, yeah, chinchillas. But apparently and, they're not super friendly, so yeah. we were like, eh, it's pointless. But why is why are there chinchillas in the PetSmart or Petco or whatever it is in Atlanta, Georgia? I don't know, but this, they, they weren't as funny to me as, as getting the snake. It was really about annoying my sister, but it. I guess you were right about the 30-year. But So we got him the, the drone. drone and uh, got him a giant... 10 inch Bowie knife. Yeah. He's eight years old, by the way. Yeah, you're a really great uncle. Yeah, thank you. He's into like survivalist out. I mean, they live in Athens or Watkinsville, which is, for those of you who don't know, is near Athens, Georgia. So kids kids play outside a lot more there than they do in this, the big city. Yeah. So what are we doing this episode then? Uh, we're recapping the podcast. Okay. Looking so, back and then looking at the future. Yeah, looking at, looking at some stats, some fun stats that we've been pulling. Uh, like I said, 29th episode, um, we've, as we mentioned before, we are very global, but do you want to touch on some of the interesting places that tune in? Yeah. So, uh, not a shock to anyone. We had dinner last night, uh, with our friend, uh, Tiffany and Jamarcus, uh, and they were asking us about the podcast. The, the sh- not shocking part is the dinner was at Yepunco. Love Yepunco. Has, <laughs> has been mentioned on every episode now. Uh, but yeah, you know, people are really interested in like, how's it do? Who listens? Uh, on average, uh, our episodes are in the top 10% or sometimes top 5% of all podcasts, uh, which is uh, across all pl- platforms, mm-hmm. by the way. So Spotify, Apple, uh, web browser, and then sometimes really big on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and then where do, or who listens? 
Uh, 93% of our listeners are from the United States, uh, which is not a surprise. Georgia is 60% of our listeners, and then Florida is 10%, and then it just goes down state by state by state. Pretty much looking at it, it has to be almost every state. Um, but what's interesting is the global side. Uh, I can't even count how many countries, but it's a lot of countries. Um, but then when we dig down into to the countries, it's not just like one person in the country. It's like multiple regions within the country. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, but, but it doesn't tell you the number of people from each place. It just gives you a percentage. So I wish we could see like how many people in the Netherlands are listening or how many people in Saudi Arabia, which is weird. Yeah. So it's like to top countries are, are Belgium, Denmark, uh, Germany, like for instance, Germany, it's 50% of our listeners are in a town called Hess. Then 25 are in Berlin, 13% are in the Rhine. So it's all over the place in Germany. Then we have Romania, France, UK, Indonesia, Canada. Canada is interesting. 29% Ontario, 30% British Columbia, 14% Manitoba, 14% uh, Alberta, and 14% Quebec. Hmm. You know, Norway, Mexico. Mexico is quite a few different cities divided equally. Veracruz. Guanajuato, Mexico City. What, what about City. Finland? Uh, Finland. No Finland. Valtteri's not listening. Oh, no. Oh, oh we Finland? Have Finland. Okay, Finland. Uh, Maybe it's Valtteri. One, yeah, one town, Picard, Per. What is it? What is Kanma. it? How in the? P-I-R-K-A-N-M-A-A. -A. Uh, Australia, a lot of listeners in Australia, Victoria, Queensland, New South Wales. Anyway, this is all really interesting stuff uh, that we don't normally look at, but we, you know, as we started getting thinking about the year and looking back at listeners and what, really getting into how do certain episodes perform versus others. Um, and I think we've mentioned this before that our one on one episodes have really high retention, which is unusual. Mm -hmm. You want to explain what that means? Reten uh, well, retention is just how long people listen. Yeah. So that's a big stat in podcasting. Um, platforms, 53% are Spotify, 33% Apple uh, web. But this does not include, what I'm looking at here does not include YouTube, which I said a, a lot of YouTube. Some of the episodes have gotten really big on YouTube. Yeah, big on YouTube. And, and the thing is, we haven't even done a ton of promotion. No. So, you know, next, I mean, I'm not sure that we're necessarily going to like ever spend a ton of money on promotion because... I don't think it's so. not quite like we're not really aiming for that. Do we want to say who came out on top across all platforms? Uh, well, we said we weren't going to rank them, but uh, the episode with Michael Garrison definitely was number one. Uh, went into top five percent of all podcast yeah. episodes uh, for the year, so that was uh, pretty exciting for Michael. I'm sure we haven't told him yet, so maybe we're going to see if he's listening. Yeah, well, this is a test. Yeah, it's a test. Uh, Sixty-five percent male, thirty-five percent female. Our biggest demographic is 28 to 34. Hmm. That's pretty young. Uh, almost half of our list, actually more than half of our listeners are from 18 to 34. Hmm. Yeah. It's a young crew. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 29 episodes. Most podcasts don't last past seven. Oh, uh, I was like, most don't last past two, I think. Or two. Um, 29 straight weeks. Yeah. Good I'm, job. I'm proud of it. Yeah. This has been a fun proud. year. Yeah. You uh, said the other night you uh, can't imagine never, 
ever not doing the podcast. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I really like doing it. It's fun. Maybe you'll have a new co-host one day. Well, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Forever seems like a long time to do a podcast. Okay, well, maybe when we buy a place in Miami and retire, we'll do a retirement podcast. Okay. Uh, We are working on some fun things for this coming year, which could include a potential live podcast, a live event. A couple, hopefully um, a few live podcasts. A few live podcasts, uh, which would be, you know, we'll do some invitation for that and uh, be really, really cool. Uh, we've got quite a few guests uh, either lined up or already recorded mm-hmm. for the beginning of the year, um, which are going to be very exciting. This is going to be a pretty diverse group. Again, people that we know very well that are really interesting and their own industry or what they're doing. Um, again, all speaking to the culture of, of kind of their world. So it's new year, new me. Uh, do we want to talk about predictions for this coming year? But yeah, I think we should talk about predictions, personal predictions, work predictions for 2024. The, these are always fun because you get to look back at the, the end of the year and find out whether or not we're accurate or not. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Well, some, someone's, someone's trying, trying to, to get into, call the, into, our Zoom. into our Zoom. This is weird. John Trainer. Look, look who it is who just called into our <laughs> Zoom, <laughs> unbeknownst to us. <laughs> A total shock, right? <laughs> to clean up the place oh don't don't worry about it it's not video yeah we're not i know video. but i still should have cleaned i should i still care still care yeah that's good we, we get it what's well, going well first of all congratulations on probably your biggest achievement of the year uh that you were uh hoping for our first repeat guest oh yes remember i didn't even yes i didn't even have that on my list of things that i wanted to do this year I thought that would have to wait until next year. So, um, yeah, wow, how exciting is that? Yeah. Well, th- this will technically come out on the first, so it, mm, it'll be okay. next year. But yeah, I mean, you're our first one, our first repeat guest. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, which What's your shirt mean? What is that? Uh, this is uh, Run the Jewels. Um, this is they have a Latin American collab album they did a few years ago, and that's what. Uh, this is from, but this is the Run the Jewels logo. Huh. If you ever see it, well, we don't even like, know who that is. Like I'm that. not sure who that uh, is. Just a hip hop artist, phenomenal. I'm in, I'm in uh, one of the highest. Like I'm in like the top 006 percent of people in the world that listen to Run the Jewels. Um, but uh, two guys, uh, Killer Mike and LP. Killer Mike, Mike is a um, important part of Atlanta huge community leader and um happens to be also a phenomenal rapper run run the jewels run the jewels we know who killer mike is yeah of course uh, oh yeah okay good uh well so i would recommend ooh la la is your is your that's not like what they're known for but i think that's a very approachable song so start with ooh la la okay all right nikki will insert it here insert run the jewels here nice okay good good i've been having fun like putting little songs in throughout and everything it's it's a little creative outlet yeah yeah good awesome (laughs) i i I love rtj they just there's something that that works with my soul when i listen to them 
do you uh, work out listening to them, like your runs and rides and stuff? Um, I do. I do have them in my run playlist, um, but it, not heavily featured. I I have more like Childish Gambino, Lil Dicky. Um, uh, yeah, I love Childish Very, Gambino. Oh god, he he's like one of the most creative people um, across so many disciplines that is alive today. Um, I just, I think he's amazing. I'm more of a fan of Donald Glover. <laughs> well, I, that is uh, totally a, a respectable opinion. Um, so, yep. Donald Glover, no relation. Uh, so we were just talking about, uh, we were actually reflecting back on, on the year, looking at the, the podcast uh, stats and, and audience, et cetera. Any uh, reflections on the, the last year that uh, you've been thinking about? Yeah, it was a, actually a really good year. Um, the highlight of the year is getting to spend time with uh, our now one-year-old granddaughter. So I got a full year of hanging out with her, and she is awesome. Um, I achieved a lot of athletic things that I wanted to achieve at work. We uh, figured out some some uh, tough times, and as uh, Chip will tell you, we feel like we're hitting on all cylinders right now. And we're going into a new year with a heavy amount of investment and innovation. So, like, I would say 2023 has been just a phenomenal year for me. Awesome. Yeah, I keep saying, I keep seeing everyone say that 2023 was the warm up and 2024 is going to be like the race. Like, everyone's prepared. Everyone's, we, I think people have gotten past all pandemic type things. And 2024 is going to be like the restart that we've yeah. all been yeah. preparing for. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I, I think. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, I mean, I just know at work how many things we have teed up that that we've been working on for a couple of years now that are, are going to land, and uh, they're phenomenal. And so I'm excited just that we can bring that to everybody. But um, yeah, there, there's so many good things going on. Well, so thinking about predictions for next year, we, we were just talking about how cool it is to actually put this out there. And so at the end of the year, we can look and see how wrong we all were. Uh, that's always fun. <laughs> Uh, yep. so you, you got any predictions for, for 2024 you want to share? Well, so, um, thank you for asking me to provide my predictions so that I can be wrong. And, <laughs> um, I think you, you threw out, Nikki, you threw out some categories. So I do have some predictions in the categories. So, so, so one of the categories you had was business and my prediction is that most public companies and most large companies will adopt a C-level role who is highly focused, if not titled in a way, to relate to AI and AI strategy. And it will be similar to what three or four years ago you saw a lot of organizations doing with ESG, but it'll be related to AI, generative models, things like that. And this individual it may be somebody like who was this the chief digital officer or cto or it could just be a completely new c-level role they will be responsible to address at the board level what their strategy is when it comes to ai ml and and things like that is that for internal facing kind of how we work how we do better internally or is it how we provide service and products to our clients I think it's both. And that's why I think it sits at the C level. I think it's how do we become better as an organization 
using AI? How do we offer products and services that delight our customers with AI? How do we protect our company from threats associated with AI? I mean, you look at New York Times recently suing Microsoft um, for copyright infringement because they trained a lot of the open AI, or they sued uh, open AI maybe, uh, because they have trained a lot of their model on documents that come from the New York Times. I think that every company has risks and opportunities just like other parts of the business. And you need somebody that is at that level to guide companies through those risks and opportunities. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because Linda Matzegite sent in some predictions and one of hers was AI is going to become real and organizations need a AI strategy uh, Mm. uh, related to their business. Yeah. So, yeah. One of our, our niche, our kind of predictions for the year is very aligned with what you and Linda are talking about, but we, we think it's more 2024 is more of an assessment year where you're not going to okay. see a lot of things executed because so much work needs to go into how do we utilize AI in what we do internally to, to get our jobs done. And that's going to take a lot of work. And it's going to take a lot of, um, gnashing of teeth. I mean, it, there's going to be a lot of resistance to that as you, as you can imagine. Uh, because there's going to be yeah. a lot of jobs that are going to be restructured because of AI, but it's yeah. not gonna, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the, the assessment year is 2024. And I think maybe that's what I'm saying by the way I'm saying, and I think you and I agree then, because I think it's companies are going to realize they need to be in the game, but they don't know wh- how they want to be in the game. And they're going to need to get somebody at the highest levels to help figure out what that is. Exactly. Or, or will it become like a, another C-suite title that, happens for a couple of years it might. and then goes it, away. <laughs> it, it might, because I think it becomes a part of everything we do. I mean, I think the COO has an AI component at the end of the day and, and the CHRO has a, a, an AI component. So yeah, I mean, it could, I mean, that's why I liken it a little bit to what was done with ESG um, and a lot of like EI positions at the executive level three or four years ago. And some of those maybe are waning and some of them are, are uh, still in force. But um, yeah, so I, th- I think that might be true, Nikki. I, I think of like a lot of chief innovation officers that were brought in over the past few years. But then I think a lot of C-suite, they realize that like everyone should be innovating at yeah. that level. So then that job either like kind of slips away or it evolves into more of an operational role. Um, but we'll we'll see. Uh, Chad didn't want me to say this, but my my worrisome prediction around AI and technology oh boy. is is a a global cyber pandemic. I'm I'm scared of that. I do think when models start interacting with each other, we're going to get really interesting behaviors. Um, and and I don't think that's an unlikely scenario. Um, I uh, I think unlike the internet uh, while there were some risks certainly with the internet i think there are way more risks with general intelligence that is um computer based that is hard to predict frankly it's just going to be out there though yeah that's i i go back to y2k and uh, nikki didn't really experience y2k like you and i did i was alive but (laughs) right but there were so many catastrophic predictions around that but what was driving that that was just the year like the clocks getting like messing up because computers not knowing you're going back to 1900 chad (laughs) 
But but Chad, I I worked at our our last company we worked at together. Yeah, I worked somewhere where had we not done, I started in October October 11th of 99, and had we not focused the way we did from October 11th literally up to the 31st of December, there would have been outages in the company yeah. um, because of software problems. So I do think it's real. Uh, it was real. I think everybody rose to the challenge. I think it was easier to predict what could go wrong there than here. That's the big difference is it's hard to predict what can go wrong, I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. What well, what else you got? Okay. Um, sports. Yeah. Um, my boring sports prediction is that there's going to be huge backlash and um, gnashing of teeth and everything on the transfer portal. And I think that a ton of a ton of work is going to be done on the transfer portal. I think waivers will go away, which is in the opposite direction of where I think most people want to go. But it it um, it's going to dramatically change the way that college football is done and make it much more like professional sports. That's the boring one. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I agree, by the way, I, I think if they don't, this sport ends up becoming just a complete circus. It already is a circus, but now it's, it is. If, yeah. they, if they don't fix something and also like, what are they teaching kids? If they don't fix this, it's, it's, you know, if you're not happy. You just go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Yeah. They got to do something. And, and frankly, like, I don't like how I'll watch pro football, but I really, really like college football more than pro because of the, uh, the collegiate nature of it. Um, yeah. And the fact that people are playing for teams that, you know, it's less mercenary oriented, which now it's more mercenary oriented. So I think they, they need to do something. I don't know. The genie might be out of the bottle. And I think the, the freedoms that, um, Americans have to make money on their own likeness and do things like that are, you know, the, the freedom to associate maybe makes it so it's not something that can be fixed, but it'll be a damn shame if it isn't fixed. Well, in the NFL, at least they have contracts. Like in college. Yeah, exactly. It's like the worst. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just, it's so easy. They're doing it every year. It's like, there's, there's no level of commitment at all. So I think, it needs to be restructured. My real sports one, that was my boring one. My really, my real one that I'm passionate about that I know a lot more about than this is I think that Minotaur is going to win the giant nut in the battle bots world championships eight. Oh boy. So yeah. I'm going on record right this, now with this a prediction. Is a sport we're talking about with robots. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah it's robots. Um, okay. with right. battle bots. Uh, I think Ripperoni is going to have a good showing <laughs> And its counter inertia capabilities um, will get it very close again. Um, I think Tombstone will make a recovery now that Ray's hands are uh, are repaired, hopefully. Uh, but I think that it will overpower itself because it's too powerful and it will hurt itself. Um, so there you go. I, I love that uh, you nerds got together and decided we're going to call this a sport. <laughs> absolutely and i have this prediction just because i knew you'd be a little tickled by it uh chad so um you might play it back in a year and if minotaur and the the boys from uh, brazil don't bring home the giant nut um you can give me a hard time about it what uh what did linda have for sports um she has she had sports related predictions well she has predictions personal predictions for sports okay so oh that's pretty good john do you have any of those um, before we get to Linda's, uh, 
I predict that I'll do SPT gravel, 60-mile okay. route, and bump into Linda sometime uh, along the way. That's, wow. that's what I predict. That's uh, amazing because I think she has, she has her one pre- related to that too. Yeah, her prediction is she gets a gravel bike of her own this year and goes to Steamboat and keeps going with her passion for, for gravel cycling. That JP doesn't crash at Steamboat Gravel along with Chad not crashing. Both of us not crashing? Both of you not crashing. Uh, that's, wow, that's tough. Yeah. That's going to be hard. One of you will crash. asking a lot. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, should have just said only one of the two will crash. Yeah, only one. <laughs> yeah. That's my prediction. Okay. I think you're more likely to crash than JP. Oh, wow. Okay. You pretty Thanks. much crash at every gravel race you do. So I'm going fast. Yeah. Uh, and then she predicted that I win my age group at a half marathon this year, which I think is Whoa. more of a stretch than anything because that's going to be... Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be that hard. That's a nice prediction. I, t- I totally see that. That's a good one. Yeah, that's awesome. That's going to be a hard one, though. My, my age group is fast. Yeah, but I have a strategy. I know how to pick races. Let me. You just need to talk to me about this. I know okay. how to pick races that maximize your potential. You have to do a, one that has really narrow age bands, and you have to find one that, where it's likely to be raining. There, there's like a, a science hmm. to picking things that might get you on the podium. That's the only way I can get there. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, well, well, I'll pick your brain about this one. I know many amateur cyclists that uh, share the same strategy as you, John. <laughs> that's good. Of the races in Alabama. Obscure yeah. cycling oh, races. That's it. Right, right. That's exactly right. <laughs> yep, that's I figure right. if I find okay. like a trail race or something that's really obscure, there could be a, the possibility there, maybe. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, you know, in our one of my sports-related predictions is that this year will be peak gravel. Like the gravel popularity and the number of races that we are encountering, this will be the, the biggest year we'll have. Uh, yeah. And it's going to start, it's going to start coming back down. The smaller okay. races. Yeah. yeah. We think that like okay. the, the, it's one of those things where it ebbs and flows like a new shiny object object happens. And then all of the spawn, you know, all of the bike industry companies hop on it. Like, Oh, we want to sponsor this. And they spend a ton of money. And then you kind of just, like anything, you get burnt out of spending a ton of money on the same thing over and over. Um, yep. And something new comes along. I mean, I think. I th- I think run, we talked about this. I think yeah. the run club continues to grow and will take a lot of, of that attention. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, and I know, I, I don't, I go back and forth. I'm like, do run clubs seem to be getting more popular because. I'm just getting into running, so it seems like it's like no. it was in my life before. But it seems like since 2020, similar to cycling, so many more people are getting into it. And running, there's obviously even a lower barrier to entry than cycling. Um, but it's pretty crazy. Like the the big brands have really leaned into local yeah. run clubs. Um, you know, getting the gear into the hands of the people to test. And again, it, it's a lot cheaper than getting bikes into hands of people to test. There's um, there's more social aspect I think with running now than there ever has been. Yeah, it's pr- it's really awesome. Yeah, I, I was yeah, re- yeah. reading an article that's I don't know what town it was in Brazil, but this guy started a run club in 2021 maybe, and there's a thousand people like every Monday night that come out to do this run club in Brazil. Yeah, that's cool. What else you got? Okay, fashion. You did not expect me to have wow. a fashion. Ooh, I'm excited no, about no. this. Yeah. Um. All right. I think. The big thing, and this goes along with running, the big thing next year is going to be sustainable running shoes. Every brand in 2023 came out with one. 
Um, some new brands uh, like Normal uh, and Hilo are starting to pick up uh, steam. And the shoe industry, um, it, there's a ton of waste. Like 90% of shoes end up in the landfills. Um, and if the shoe industry itself were uh, a country, it would be the 17th largest polluter. Because if you think about it, everybody wears shoes. Yeah. Um, so you have a number of, um, and also some of this comes from the fact that my wife's in the industry, so I'm paying attention to what's going on. But they, um, they've switched to dope dyeing, which uh, saves on water usage. Uh, you have new plant-based shoes. The shoes I run in are now plant-based. The the Model 20 of my Wave Inspires will be plant-based. Um, you see a lot of recycled materials. On has a subscription model with the Cloud Neo, where it's based out of castor beans. They don't do any dyeing at all. When you're done, you send it back to them, and they send you a new one. I don't know. This it's the subscription model is going to work there. I understand why they're doing it. Um, you've got Companies uh, like Hilo that are based on cornstarch or corn and sugarcane or something like crazy like that. And then they give you credits when you recycle. Normal, which is spelled odd, it's two N's at the beginning, um, is uh, is led or, or uh, influenced heavily by Killian Journey, a good ultra runner, and he is going to promote it. Um, with those, there are 20 shops in Europe where when, you're, when you've worn the shoes out, you take them back to cobblers like used to be done years ago and you get them fixed. Um, so I think things like this are going to take off this year and the way this will be the first year where people notice it. And then the way we consume shoes in the next three to five years will be radically different. But wow. are, are the, are the sustainable shoes fast? So where fast was the thing in 2019, 2020, 2021, I think that's now table stakes for a lot of the the big manufacturers. Um, they aren't as fast, but if you look at the percentage of people that run in the super fast, like single use shoes, et cetera, that's such a low percentage versus what most people run in. And I think this will target the other 80 or 90% of the shoes that are out there. Interesting. Nikki has to run in the fast shoes. <laughs> that's why she asked that. <laughs> I, yeah. I try, like I have, well, I have treadmill shoes which are still fast. They're like the Saucony uh, endorphin speed, which I really like. Um, but I, I don't like running in them outside. I only like running on the treadmill with them. But then I have to wear the Nike Vaporflies outside. I love those shoes. I've tried like five other different pair of shoes. They're also light, but I just, I, they feel more natural to me when I run. Yeah, I mean, actually, now that I don't know the answer to that, I probably shouldn't have dismissed it. Now that you mention it, with the limited lifespan, that you have on some of the faster shoes like the Vaporfly, I could see shoe manufacturers focusing on a plant-based upper. Um, I, I could see that happening for sure. Yeah, I think that I, I think it would make more value for them to do it there than elsewhere because you burn through the shoes a little bit quicker. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like they could just make the rest of the shoe. You still have the carbon plate, which obviously is never going to be sustainable necessarily, but. I mean, that's what's making it fast. It's the foam, but then the upper could be completely sustainable. Totally. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what Nike... I mean, I, I know people hate on Nike uh, from a shoe perspective for whatever reason. I, I'm obsessed with Nike. It, I love what they're doing. But I'm excited about this. I like your prediction, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nick, um, Nike gets in fights at the run club because people talk shit about Nike. They're like, ugh, you wear Nike. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, I love the, Nikki. <laughs> the, being the husband of a, um, a wife that uh, works in the shoe industry, the right shoe is the one that is right for you. There's, there's no right shoe or right brand. The one I run in, I've been running in for 10 or 12 years and it's the right shoe for me. I don't get injured. Um, but it's not the right shoe for a lot of people. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, did you have fashion predictions? Um, yeah, I have fashion predictions, but not for sports fashion, like not, um, but my fashion prediction for street wear. So my prediction is what, I mean, this has already been happening, but obviously with the influence of minimalist brands like the row, um, I think that we are going to see a lot of really small brands crop up that are very minimalist, not overdone. Um, but I also think there's going to be a lean into more minimalist clothing, but more sculptural, unique jewelry. So like the necklaces will be very sculptural, more like artwork. Earrings will be more like a, like artwork, rings. So you'll see a lot of people, even bags. I think people are going to get away from the traditional like influencer bags that you see, like the Chanel, the Louis Vuitton, like all of that. Um, because so many people have those now. And I think you're going to see a lot of bags that are unique shapes, just really nice quality, um, not no logo. And, and I think you're going to see a lot of like, there's a lot of Korean brands. So I think Korean fashion and Korean brands are having a huge influence in the market in like the fashion world right now. I mean, they already have been for a long time, but, or at least from like someone who's not in the fashion industry, I'm starting to see it a lot more. So I assume if I'm seeing it, other people are as well. Is that why you want to go to Korea? Well, that and like skincare. So anyways, cool. that, that's my prediction. More sculptural, simple. All right. Yeah. I got it. I am not going to argue with that one. <laughs> yeah, me either. Anything else, John? What, what else is okay, on your list? Entertainment. Yeah. Entertainment. Uh, there is going to be a mad rush to create more buildings uh, or experiences similar to the Vegas sphere. Yep. And I think in 2023 groundbreaking will happen on at least three different ones. Um, so I think, I think people are going to change the way they experience things because of the sphere, which I have not been to, but uh, I know people who have, and I know you y'all were planning to, but I think you didn't, right? We had to cancel uh, because of work, but uh, our friends went and gave us feedback on it. Did they have fun? No, they had so much fun. Okay. So they they did the general admission, which is what we were going to do. So standing room <clears throat> only. But what was yep. interesting is my, so Caitlin and Alex, those are two friends that went. Caitlin told me that it's so steep that they don't actually allow you to stand up. So you have to stay seated the entire concert. And if you stand up to like sing a song, an usher will come and tell you to sit down immediately. So she was wow. saying that they had, or they knew someone, I guess, who had been in one of those sections and it wasn't fun. Like it was still a fun experience, but it wasn't as fun because you couldn't stand up and like dance around with your friends and like, you know, do normal things like you do at concerts. Um, but I think you are right. I agree with the prediction in that. I think there's going to have to be more holistic experiential concert, you know, experiences because concert tickets are so expensive now. I was going to say that's, that's my, I don't know if it's a prediction, but I question whether or not people will continue to pay the insane prices that they're paying to go to a concert for experience yeah, yeah. like that's it I is just, i just it, don't yeah. get it yeah, it seems like there has to be a, a point where it doesn't make sense um i did pay more than i ever thought i would have to see ll and uh, de la soul and rakim and, and there's some really good 
salt and pepper. I mean, like that's right up my alley. Um, and I paid more just to be closer, but I've also hit a point in my life where I go to so few concerts that if I go, I want to be like when I saw they might be giants this year, I was like, we're getting it's general admission. We're getting there hours early because I want to be in the second row up front, you know? And, um, it's just worth it to me to have a better experience. So I would pay a little bit more for that, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm not a big concert person, so it's really hard sell for me, but I, I just, like, the sphere was $900 per ticket just for like general admission. And I just thought that was, I thought that was crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I just, that is crazy. Like the average person can go to concerts anymore. Yeah. Like, like what, like we're talking about with Taylor Swift, like a young girl whose parents aren't well off cannot go see Taylor Swift. Yeah. And, who they have, they, and that's why she made the movie for those girls, which is sad. Which is like sad. Yeah. My last uh, prediction, unless you just want me to start making crap up, but uh, my last <laughs> one is in the sphere of digital and social media. I think that starting sometime around the end of Q1 2024, the internet will be so full of deep fakes in preparation for the 2024 u.s election that it will be almost impossible to know what is real and what is not Mm. in social media yeah yeah that's i agree that yeah i mean that was one of my my predictions that that twitter you know continues its trajectory into the gutter to where there's just no one left that cares to actually engage you have those people that are totally dedicated to it but they're just talking to each other in this little tiny circle of Twitter nerds. But but I I even think I I think Instagram feels like the most fake accounts. Um, I'm not really like a big Twitter user, and I don't use face Facebook like traditional Facebook that much. But it does feel like since, especially since Israel Palestine, that like it feels like I'm seeing constant fake accounts with news that doesn't even like they're like putting out news that you just google and it's completely incorrect it's not even right so i feel like there's so many yeah deep fake accounts where you can't even but i see other people reposting these accounts and then if you were just to google it you'd see it's completely made up information but people don't actually google anything anymore um that's really scary especially going into an election year yeah yeah and what i actually had written down um was deep fakes and believable disinformation. Mm -hmm. So I I think it'll be, it'll just be so hard to distinguish because I think demand for information, especially because of the tribalism that we have in the U S the demand for information will be so high next year and there will, and the technology will be made available to, I mean, you'll be able to do fully. This was going to be maybe a prediction of entertainment, but you'll be able to do full length movies using AI prompts in, I don't know, a year now. Um, it with video poet coming out, you can do four seconds and then loop it. And when does four seconds turn into four hours? I don't, I don't really know, but, um, yeah, I just, I think it's going to be a crazy year with being able to believe anything online. Definitely. For sure. I I see that. I can't wait. Well, I see it on TikTok too. (laughs) Like when, um, yeah, like for me, I think the, I keep bringing this up, example because it's just the most recent but like with israel and palestine i was getting just inundated with like obviously people are pro-israel people are pro-palestine saying different things but like the amount of people that are like crying and like this very heightened emotion like 
you know, and you're fed it over and over. And so you start, you can't, when you see someone crying, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter like if you, whatever you agree with, that hurts, that hurts your heart. And so then you all of a sudden get sucked into this world of like, oh my gosh, I believe this person because they're this upset. Like, how could they, how could they be lying? How could they? So there's a lot of that like acting, I think that goes on. Yeah. That's really, yeah. that's a little scary because they're, they're going for your emotion and which is one step further than even like just going for pure information, trying to convince you. And TikTok, because it's all, vi for the most part, all video, it's a lot of that. Yeah. Did, didn't yeah. you, did you have a TikTok prediction or was that just a comment the other day? Um, I did write it down. So I don't know if this is real or not, but I feel like, um, so we were talking about generations using Facebook versus Instagram versus TikTok. And so it feels like obviously on Facebook, that is more of a Gen X and older group that use Facebook because people can like write longer things, engage with each other, like comment more, um, or at least that's what I see. And then Instagram- See how old their friends all look now. Well, and then Instagram, <laughs> I think Gen Xers have all adopted Instagram as far as creating an account to look at other accounts. Millennials uh. all have accounts and post pretty frequently. Although I have a lot of friends that are millennials that, that like pretty much stop posting anymore yeah so now they're just like the instagram lurkers yeah. so now gen x gen gen x and millennials are are starting to lurk and then i think but the gen zers they have instagram accounts but they don't post as much as they do on tiktok but what i and then this is the weird bridge and i don't understand it i feel like the gen x female who was on facebook a lot but didn't really engage with instagram is hyper engaged in TikTok. Oh, interesting. It like skipped. Huh. Uh, and, yep, and yep. It's it's so interesting. But what I think it is, I've theorized, is that I guess this isn't really a prediction. This is just like, well, maybe like where TikTok is heading. Yeah. Um, I think it's because on Instagram you have to like it, you have to put some thought into it. You have to generate the content pretty consistently for the algorithm to pick you up. Um, whereas TikTok, I feel like is a little bit more random, and so they can let's say like someone picks Alex Earl's video, they repost it and then they put a video of themselves commenting on that video. And that can go viral just because they, they pulled a celebrity video and commented on it. Mm. Whereas Instagram, you can't pull someone's video and comment with your own video. It, yeah. it doesn't work like that. So I think that has been, I think like the random Gen Xers who don't have never had a lot of followers on anything are now all of a sudden getting followers just by commenting on these like young girls videos which is kind of crazy and you predict that continues i predict it continues and makes it not cool oh well yeah so I think, yeah 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 i think it makes it it i don't know that's just my prediction. tiktok becomes less cool in 2024 mm -hmm. that's a good prediction yeah and i'm actually anytime i have an urge to use any social media i open up duolingo and i'm trying to learn japanese that's really good I don't yeah, know what that's that really is. That's really productive. It, it's a language. Oh, it's a, a language language app. We're going to Tokyo oh. as a family for Heather to do her last world major uh, in a couple months. And I figure I won't be able to get around too well knowing uh, Japanese, but I'd rather know a little bit than none. So I've been working on it. Yeah, that's cool. I can ask for rice, please. <laughs> Gohan Kudasai. <laughs> that's all you need to get by. May yeah. I have rice? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What, so. what, was there anything else, uh, Linda? Uh, let's see. Uh, so I think we skipped the work, the work predictions. Yeah. So for work predictions, um, Linda's thinking that mo like more companies are going to be 
returning to the office. There'll be more of a desire to have workers in the office, uh, which is going to create tension. But with the tightening of expenses, organization will use this as a way to get workers back in the office. Fewer full-time remote opportunities will be available. So here's what I think is going to happen with that. I did have this as a bonus prediction that I didn't mention, but I have it. Um, here's what I think is going to happen. I think we are going to create a, it's not like a have and have not, have nots, but scenario, but it's a office and hybrid type. Of, it's almost like manager and individual contributor, like that dichotomy, but it'll be a different dimension. And that dimension will be whether or not you're expected to be in the office and then that will create a, a class of people that are able to have upward mobility. Then there will be a class of people that are not expected to be in the office because they're more like individual contributor, knowledge workers, but they likely can't advance much in the company. And I think it'll create, they were to create different classes on a different dimension than we've had before. That's what I think is going to happen. I, I agree with that. I, I think I'm a, a little... I'm not in disagreement with Linda's prediction. I think her view is very um, nearly um, focused on kind of the industry that she's in, which healthcare. I healthcare, yeah. which I agree with her. I think that there's a lot of trends over the last three years that are going to end in healthcare. I mean, we've already seen it with the travel nurse boom. Like that's yeah, that's people kind of are over. tired of that. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> I I think our big prediction uh, in this area is that 2024 is the year that organizations figure out and make a final decision on kind of who they are and what they stand for in terms of how we're structured and how our work is structured. I think, I think then there will be labels for those different types of organizations. So you'll have fully remote, you'll have hybrid, you'll have core week, you know, organizations. Yeah. Um, and I think those labels are going to get figured out in 2024 and that those labels will then be attached to that type of organization as an employer brand. I think they're going to say, you know, Wahoo's going to say we're hybrid with knowledge workers and um, flexible, like I, whatever that label is, I yep, think that's yep. going to become, and, and maybe it's probably, I'm going to guess it's probably five to eight different types of structure. Uh, and that's going to be a big part of how I recruit the right type of person that, that we want. That's what I, that's my, my big, big prediction. I, I think also. Mm -hmm the a big trend is going to be companies are going to be forced to be radically transparent whether they like it or not so i think that the wage transparency that's coming and it's going to happen like i don't think and i don't think companies are going to be able to for like resist that even if it's not a law like i know in new york it's a law right that they have to have um pay transparency correct yep but i think that people are going to expect it so much that if they see a company that doesn't have pay transparency even if in georgia you don't have to i think that's yeah. going to be such a red flag of like well why why wouldn't you just be transparent like in a world where every i can look anything up and see everything so i think that's going to be really interesting because that's probably going to force an interesting like comp philosophy shift yeah um, and strategy for a lot of companies yeah but i think again with culture it's like you're going to have to be so transparent about what people can expect when they come to work there. You're not going to be able to do the bait and switch of like, oh, yeah, you can work from home. And then they get there and you're actually like, no, sorry, you have to come in the office. I just think radical transparency, the quicker you can get there as a company, even if it's painful in 2024, the further ahead you'll be in 2025 when it comes to recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't do pay transparency 
Um, and at my, at the last company we didn't, but I've always tried to approach pay increase time of year, uh, merit type increases with an eye on what if the spreadsheet went out tomorrow and everybody knew what everybody was making would, would it, would everybody understand why a particular person makes this or that? Because I think, I think you owe it to um, everybody, the company to think that way so that the value somebody is providing is recognized in a way that if anybody in the company saw it, they'd say, okay, yep, totally makes sense why so-and-so makes this much money. Um, and maybe that will work out when there is forced transparency, if, if it gets forced or something, um, or it's the right thing to do uh, from a brand perspective. Uh, certainly interesting. I also think it hopefully will help end because I don't, I don't know, this is like a trend that I see a lot of is p- the only way people feel like they can move up is hopping from company to company and or may, not even move up, but just make more money. And so they are constantly like every two years, I might actually be making a lateral move, but because I'm starting at a new company, I'm going to inflate my, my worth. And then they're going to pay me that because they're desperate to have people. I think that's going to start to, to get eliminated with pay transparency the more transparency a company can be about a move to the company. And it can be a range. Like, I'm not saying you have to say the exact amount that, you know, you're going to pay, but a range at least, because I don't think it's fair. And I don't think it's right that people every couple of years just hop around different companies. And and then it messes it up because you have people at a company that have been there forever. They obviously haven't been getting that same amount of raise compared to a new person who doesn't even know the industry or the company. And they're just coming in at a much higher rate. We call that wage compression. Yeah, and I think yep. that has to go away because that's not a sustainable way for a business to operate. John and I were never believers in that. We we're like, we're just going to be uh, yeah. forever <laughs> <laughs> until you until you want. Well, and like and like my and if if there's somebody on my team that wants to to do that, I want them to leave um, because I have they haven't bought into the bigger vision of what we're trying to do. And um, I need, I actually need them to leave to make room for somebody who can buy into the bigger vision. Um, I want everybody to be paid fairly. I think you can only get paid wrong. And I want to make sure that people are comfortable with what they're paid and, and that it certainly is, um, you know, competitive in the market. But if somebody's willing to jump for 10 or $20,000, uh, they need to leave. I mm-hmm. think, uh, sorry, that's like too harsh, but because or or I've done, done a terrible job of explaining why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. well, I think it, there's reasons to it, you know if you've outgrown the position and there's just nowhere else to totally, move totally, yeah, that, that's right. That 100 percent makes sense. Or if you work for a company that doesn't appreciate the work that you're doing, and then you find that there's yeah. a com- that's. But I but and tell me tell me if you disagree with me, Chad and John, like. I see a lot of people just changing jobs for the sake of changing jobs just to get that like little extra bump. Yeah, we do. We see it a lot. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that yeah. I think that's going to have to slow down because I just don't. I don't think it's a sustainable. The wage compression isn't sustainable. For sure. All right. Yeah. Those are my only ones. So uh, thanks for uh, calling in uh, during this holiday week, uh, where nice to see someone else is working. Uh, it's not just us. <laughs> I have gotten so much done this week. I, you would, it's unbelievable how much I've set up for next year. And um, if this is the warm up, this is like the final. I'm doing strides right now. They're ready to, <laughs> to to hit hit the hit it hard in a week. Um, 
this week's been amazing. I just I wish I could recount everything awesome that I've been able to tee up for next uh, next year. So it's, it's amazing, amazing what you can do when you don't have meetings all day long. Yeah, uh, it is very true. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this. So, so you know, big big predictions. We appreciate you putting so much thought into it. Uh, we really hope that uh, Voltron wins the Megabot. It is Minotaur. Minot- it is oh, Minotaur. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we really hope that Nikki's prediction that there's a AI cyber attack taking over the world doesn't happen. So it's true. But yeah. we'll be prepared. Can't wait to look back on this uh, end of next year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Off. 81 right. miles to the Algon Road. Never look back, never ever went slow. Never look back, heard him say that before. Never look back, never stare at a ghost. BK Air when the summertime show. Ain't shit fly but the drones. Oh no. Low on the smokes, grab another pack, go. Pop smoke too, we'll play a piano. Pops on you, it's funny how that go. Mom, you too, I never could drink slow. Never look back, heard him say that before.